Welcome back. I'm your host, Alex Dryzak. That opening audio clip brought to you by Bonzel Postal Imaging. Go there for your document destruction, mailing, notarizing. All you need at bonzelpi.com. Give your home business a real business address. On that opening audio clip, backup quarterback, rookie Patrick Mahomes for the Chiefs. Taking it into the house and having an impressive preseason that continues to grow. We'll be talking more about the AFC West and the NFC West later. But first, we're going to get you started with recent headlines. Floyd Mayweather and Conor McGregor's famous fight finally happened. And Floyd Mayweather knocked him out on a technical knockout in the 10th round. McGregor surprised me. It was a good fight. He, I thought he'd be too slow for this, and he hung in there. He, he did a good job for 10 rounds. But eventually, he just got too tired. The rounds got too long. And Mayweather was able to capitalize on the technical knockout. I don't care what McGregor said. That fight was over when the ref called it. So congrats to Mayweather, and congrats to McGregor for surprising me. In baseball this week, the Red Sox are continuing to hold control of the AL East. And the Yankees aren't helping themselves as both their catchers, Gary Sanchez and Austin Romine, will be facing suspension after three bench-clearing brawls between the teams. was actually super animated about, hey, you have to protect your teammates when Michael Fulmer retaliated. Wait a minute, here we go. Oh, here we go at home. Romine and Cabrera get into it. Punches thrown. Romine getting into the gut of Cabrera. And now both benches are cleared as Romine and Cabrera at the bottom of a pile. Yeah, not what you want to be doing when you're in a playoff race like this. You got teams like Minnesota, Kansas City, the Angels, Mariners, Rangers, Rays, Orioles. They're all within three games of that last wildcard spot. So if I'm the Yankees, you know, you're already in a tough spot and these suspensions aren't going to help. A lot of people think they'll lose home field in the wildcard spot because of these. They may even lose the playoff spot, but I think they'll hold on and they'll be. I still think they're going to play the Royals in that wildcard game. All right, Dodgers continue their historic run. And the Diamondbacks and Rockies continue to battle it out in that wild card with the Brewers and Cardinals actually catching up to them in that wild card race. So it's getting closer and closer. And actually, the NL wild card race looks like it could be a good race. Lastly, Kyrie Irving was dealt to the Celtics. He was finally traded, and we'll be getting into that real soon. But first, I wanted to start you off with another controversy for the NCAA. Yep, we're back at it again. This is terrible. So Bryant Fitzgerald from Avon, Indiana, and kind of cool that he was going to Indiana University now as a very highly recruited high school athlete here for football, and he will not be able to play his freshman year. He lost his year of eligibility. Now, this was caused by a mistake in the Office of Compliance Services of Indiana University's Department of Intercollegiate Athletics. Basically, to shorten it up, the compliance office screwed up. So Brian Fitzgerald was ruled ineligible. Now, the university filed a waiver to the NCAA to restore his eligibility. That request was rejected this last week. And they appealed that decision, and it was denied at the end of this last week. So his eligibility is not his fault. It was the university's fault. 
the university took ownership for this mistake. They even had a quote from their athletic director, Fred Glass, who said, quote, on behalf of myself and everyone associated with IU Athletics, I personally apologize to Brian and his family for our mistake. While it was an isolated and unintended one, it is no less devastating to Bryant. And I could not feel worse about it. The process leading to the mistake has been fixed and the redundancies added. And we are very confident nothing like this will ever happen again. Close quote. And he went on to say how disappointed he is in the NCAA for not granting the waiver request because it wasn't Brian's fault. He got shoddy advice about how to handle this. It was the school's fault. So does the NCAA go and punish the school for this and the compliance office? No. Instead, they don't let the kid play football. He's there to get an education and play football. That's why you call them student-athletes. You're taking away the athlete part of him, taking away the reason he got into college for that. And, you know, it really does suck because he doesn't get to play this entire year. He gets to just sit there. And the NCAA doesn't lose anything. The only thing the university loses is a football player on their football team. But... The NCA makes such a big deal that they're supporting the students, but if they're not helping the students get on the field to do something they love and the reason they're in college, then are they really helping? In my mind, the NCA only has themselves to blame. Whoa, you guys are good. I'm the last person I would have suspected, but I was looking for me all the time. It's the perfect crime. Say whatever you want, NCAA, but you're not going to justify this to me. All I'll be thinking about is that kid just sitting on the sidelines when he was definitely good enough to help this football team and he was eligible to play. Except one little thing that a compliance office screwed up on, not the kid himself keeps him off the field. Just just think about what you're doing. This is just like the kicker at UCF. You're keeping him from helping his family. And it's not like he really took an unfair advantage on his YouTube channel. It is driving me nuts. There's no way you'll convince me that this was the right decision, NCAA. So you got a lot of questions to answer lately. And all I can think about is two kids that won't be playing football next year because of your stupid decisions. (laughs) It's just stupid in my mind. These kids will not be playing this next year for the dumbest reasons. Boy, I tell you, that really grinds my gears. All right, we're going to take a break. Keep it right here with your favorite sports podcast, Moose's Mulligans. Woo! Yes! All right! Woo! This is your favorite sports podcast on the official Moose's Mulligans website. Where the hell have you been, soldier? Training, sir! Training, sir! What kind of training, son? Army training, sir! Army training, sir! Now back to your host, Alex Streisnick. There she was, just walking down the street singing. All right, welcome back to Moose's Mulligans. So for this next segment, we're going to be talking about the NBA, and we're going to assume that the Kyrie Irving trade went through to Boston. Uh, it's being held up because of Isaiah Thomas's hip, but for this segment, we're going to assume that it happened, and Kyrie Irving is a Boston Celtic. All right, we're going to welcome in Ben Huff now to talk about this. And I know you had something you wanted to say, Ben, about this trade, first of all. Oh, yeah. Well, I've been reading all this stuff about the trade. Uh, I've been going back and forth on who really won won the trade. 
Um, right now, I'm thinking the Celtics won because Isaiah Thompson's hits, that's always been an issue. They still have the other picks, the Lakers pick this, uh, this upcoming draft. Um, and now they have an ability to even go out and get someone else. There's rumors that they're going to go get Anthony Davis, and they have those picks and players to go after him. So I really think the Celtics pulled this one out. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I think they made a good job for this year, and I think they do build for their future a little bit. But in all, in all honesty, I don't think the Cavs could have really lost this deal, knowing that Kyrie probably wasn't coming back, knowing kind of LeBron's not coming back. Really getting anything, including a Nets first-round pick, is, is going to be good. I, th- I think the Cavs, this is a good deal for them for the future because they're honestly in a lose-lose situation. Now they get a little bit of win and feel better about themselves. So, yeah, definitely. Yeah. I, I agree with that. Um, they definitely get a lot back, which is what they need. And when Kyrie said he wants to leave, that's already cutting into how much they get for him. So getting that, that first-round pick next year from the Celtics, from the Brooklyn Nets, that's going to be huge for their rebuilding process once LeBron leaves. Definitely. If I were Cavs fans, I'd be excited about that and try to get Wiggins to a max deal, but that's a different story. And they get a title out of it though So I think it's okay as long as you get one ring out of it So we're going to start a new segment here It's called Money Talks and BS Walks And for those not familiar with this on the playground I'm going to say a statement And you guys have to tell me Whether the statement is money or BS You can play at home So alright Ben we're going to kick this one off with you on the first one Uh, with, With the addition of Kyrie Irving the Celtics have won the Eastern Conference. I'm going BS. Uh, I still think the Cavs are the legitimate threat. Um, even with Kyrie, I think the Cavs can still put up a good fight, and I think the, will, the Cavs will get to the finals again. Well, I've got money on this. Yeah, you know, Cleveland seems a little bit lost, but uh, last year Horford had to battle some injuries. And everyone's ripping the Celtics for losing a lot of players and only having four returners. But I'm comparing to them to what the Nationals did this year. And, you know, they didn't have a lot of returners in their bullpen and was struggling. So they went and added more for the playoff run. I think the Celtics did a good job adding for this playoff run. All right, second statement here. The Celtics will win 60 games this year now that they have Kyrie. And for reference, they won 53 last year. I'm going BS again. Uh, I don't see them winning 60 games. I think the only team that will will be the Warriors. Um, just the chemistry, they don't have that chemistry yet, and that's a big part of winning 60. So I'm going to say BS. Like like I said, they, for me, they only have four returners, and they're good returners. I think this new squad definitely has the potential to do it. I'm going to call money on this. I'm going to say the Celtics are money to win 60 games. So lastly... And this is my favorite question to you, of course. LeBron's next championship will not be in a Cleveland Cavaliers jersey. That's money, but not for the reason that many people think. I don't think he'll win another championship, period. Um, 34, I believe. Uh, And he's heading to, what, the Lakers? And we may get Paul George, and I don't think that'll be enough to win a championship or really even get past the Warriors and being the Western Conference. So... I don't think he's going to win another title. Well, I got money on this, and I think LeBron can win another title. I look at LeBron, and, you know, he's going to have to win it this year if he wants to win it in a Cavs jersey. That's becoming more clear. But I I don't think he's staying, so I think LeBron has the potential to do the Tim Duncan effect, except on a different team. You know, when he gets older, a lot of the times we forget what what these players can really do. 
And if he finds himself around a young star like a Kawhi Leonard, what Tim Duncan did, I think he can get it done. He'll 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 be that secret contributor that we uh, honestly keep forgetting about. It's hard to forget about LeBron, but I think he does have the potential to win one more towards the end of his career here. We forget he's he's 32 years old. I mean, he's still got probably five, six more years in the league if he stays healthy. So. But the thing is with um, Tim Duncan, Tim Duncan's big. He didn't have to run around and command a team like LeBron does. And he's so athletic. We were, I always worry about that super athletic guy. What happened to Derrick Rose? He's going to blow out his knee several times. So... The Tim Duncan comparison, I want to say, is that accurate in that aspect because Tim Duncan didn't have to run the team. He just kind of ran back and forth. And well, yeah, and I, I think he had to be a solid contributor on, you know, he, he was a big guy who could pass the ball, which was a very effective. And I think Le- LeBron's not going to lose his passing ability, which has been honestly a big underrated part of his game that I love watching. And he does know how to, he does know how to run an offense still, even if he's not the one running it. So, yeah, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna call a lot of money on the Celtics. I wouldn't say they're extreme favorites right now to win the East, but you know I'm always that guy that likes to see uh, a team that can do it on both sides of the ball, mainly more defensive. And I think they did a good job this year building around that pre- premise. But you know, at the end of it, when you play the Warriors, you're gonna have to be offensive and keep up. And I think Gordon Hayward and Kyrie Irving help with that. And if they have a healthy Horford, they're 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 dominant. So. I think, I think yeah, that's a good I, place to start. Yeah, for sure. And I just want to correct myself. LeBron James is 32. Oh, jeez. <laughs> I want to correct myself. Awesome. I, I, still, I still don't... I mean, if he were 34, I'd still think he was five, six years in the league. He's one of those guys where I could just see him competing for a long time, actually. A lot longer than we think. And it's hard when he loses his speed. I watched Kawhi Leonard block him, and I was like, is this the start of it? But... I mean, honestly, I think he'll be able to hold a, hold his own for a little bit longer. I agree. Awesome. Well, thanks for coming on, Ben. Of course, anytime, buddy. Winning. All right, now we're going to get into our NFL previews, and it's the last week of previews for me. It's the NFC West and the AFC West, and I'd love to start with the AFC West because I'm more excited about this division. No way. Head coach Andy Reid and the Kansas City Chiefs seem to be underrated this year. I don't know why. I see Alex Smith still a very reliable quarterback. Rookie Patrick Mahomes has had a great preseason, as we talked about earlier. And if anything did happen to Smith, Patrick Mahomes may even be better than him right now. So I think Smith knows this might be his last year, and he'll put it on the line. They lost Jeremy Macklin, but Tyreek Hill, Chris Conley, and DeAnthony Thomas is showing up big time. You still have Travis Kelsey at your tight end. And their offensive line is about middle of the road, I would say. But they're, they're good, and they're young. They have a former first overall pick in Eric Fisher. And, you know, they have Mitchell Schwartz. And I think their O-line is young and good. So they're they're the perfect mix of young with some experience. Now, the biggest threat to them in this division, in my mind, is the Oakland Raiders. Uh, Jack Del Rio's done a great job there. They bring in the hometown hero of Marshawn Lynch, Beast Mode. Uh, you have wide receivers like Crabtree who had a career year. You have Amari Cooper who's solid. You bring in Cordero Patterson with it. And, uh, you know, I they have one of the really, really good O-lines. What separates Kansas City and Oakland, in my mind, is the defense. Dontari Poe is not in Kansas City anymore, but Justin Houston's back healthy this year. Derek Johnson's still there. Tom Bahali's still there. Eric Berry is still there. Marcus Peters is still there. I think that separates them. I look at the Oakland Raiders defense, and Cleo Mack is very solid. You have Bruce Irvin who came over. 
And, you know, in my mind, the safeties and coverage, coverage for Kansas City is enough to make them separated from Oakland. I think they could beat Oakland head-to-head. So the other two teams in this division, I'm going to start with the Denver Broncos. So the Broncos have had a QB situation here, you know, and what's interesting, they bring in Mike McCoy as their offensive coordinator, and I like him with quarterbacks. That's a good sign. So Trevor Simeon and Paxton Lynch. It looks like Paxton Lynch is actually starting to not take over the job. He was always the guy destined to take the job. But it looks like Trevor Simeon's going to be starting day one. you got to be freaking kidding me. Uh, Demarius Thomas, Emmanuel Sanders, and Cody Latimer. I think Latimer's going to step up a little bit more this year. And, you know, the tight end spot a little weak to me. But overall, they're not too bad. Uh, I look at their O-line. They're middle of the road. I'd say, you know, they drafted Garrett Bowles in the first round. And uh, they added, uh, you know, they have Matt uh, Parades. That's the name. He's a Pro Bowl caliber center. But, you know, you got to keep an eye on him in training camp because he's recovering from offseason surgery on both hips. So we'll see how he... Bounces back from that. But their their defense is uh, pretty solid. you got uh, Pecco now. You've got Von Miller still there. Akeem Tlaib. TJ Ward. I mean, that's pretty solid defense. I think that'll help carry them. But what it really comes down to is the quarterback situation with Mike McCoy, which I think he's a good guy to have in there. So the last team, the Chargers, going to the Los Angeles. Well, when we take a look at the Chargers... Melvin Gordon's a good running back when he's healthy. So if he stays healthy, they'll obviously be in a good position. Keenan Allen's back if he stays healthy. Again, for the Chargers, got to stay healthy. You had, uh, you know, they have Mike Williams on the pup now. He was supposed to be a big draft pick wide receiver for them, so they're already having an injury problem. Uh-oh. Uh, Antonio Gates is there to set a record, and then Hunter Henry, honestly, is the better tight end at this point, in my opinion. So he'll take over midway through the year. And then Phillip Rivers is still Phillip Rivers. He's still a good passing quarterback no matter what I say about him. So as long as he's able to keep passing, then they'll be in contention for games. But I'm not sure they're going to win many games. Very tough division, very tough schedule. And their O-line always worries me. And the Chargers are kind of known for always having an offensive line that's, well, terrible. And it's just they said goodbye to DJ Fluker, who I thought was their only reliable one. They did add Russell Lacung back. But I don't think he's as talented as Fluker, and he has a bad injury history. So they did add promising linemen in Forrest Lamp and Dan Freeney, but Forrest Lamp already got hurt, so Chargers again, always getting hurt. Tough division, tough schedule. Chargers' defense is much improved, though, with Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram helping run that defense. You still got Jaleel Adai. And, you know, I, I think Casey Hayward's a good corner. It's just the question becomes how much do the injuries affect you and how bad does an offensive line affect you? And usually it's a lot. So new head coach Anthony Lynn's going to have a lot to work with this year. So now moving over to the NFC West, the only reason I'm going to say the Cardinals are better than the Seahawks is offensive lines, which I've been priding myself on this offseason. So, the Seattle Seahawks, let's just not beat around. They have what I'm saying is the worst offensive line in the league. They've tied up so much money in defensive players. They spend a lot of money on Doug Baldwin, Jimmy Graham, Russell Wilson, that they don't have any money to really give to the O-line. It's a shame because the team's really good. And they could be a run-first offense with Rolls and Lacey together. But they still try to be a run-first offense, which makes them not as good in my mind. 
they have the first round bust in Luke Jokel, but you know, there's just not much optimism for this offensive line, and that really worries me. They do have good players and Doug Baldwin, I think Tyler Lockett's a good player, you know. I'm not sure how Eddie Lacy will do in this offense, but I, Thomas Rawls is reliable. And, you know, Jimmy Graham is a good tight end, and he'll have a good year. But Russell Wilson's a good quarterback who can't get protection, and we've seen it before with Andrew Lux injuries. Eventually just catches up. Obviously their defense is good if they're investing that much money, and Richard Sherman, Cam Chancellor, Earl Thomas, Wagner, K.J. Wright, Cliff Aver, a lot of, a lot of big names, even Michael Bennett. You know, it's just... The question becomes, have you invested too much in it? Your defense will keep you in the game, but if you can't keep your offense healthy or upright, it's going to be a problem. Now, the Cardinals, their DJ Humphreys ad is going to need to be more impressive this year on their O-line if they really want to make a push. But, you know, they still have Mikey Upati, which is good. And Carson Palmer, I think, will bounce back this year. I think he knows it's his really last chance to prove something before he's out of there. Rookie Trevor Knight, I mean, he doesn't impress that much in camp, but we'll see. But Carson Palmer's chance is now. You got David Johnson, Fitzgerald's still there. John Brown's going to have to prove something this year to me. And uh, their defense, you know, they're, they're always a solid defense in my mind with Chandler Jones. And uh, Patrick Peterson's one of the best corners. And Honey Badger hopefully bounces back. They lost Tony Jefferson, but I'm not too worried about it, especially in this division. They're guaranteed basically four wins against the Rams and 49ers in my mind. So they just have to split with the Seahawks and then get more wins out of, out of their division. So it's going to be pretty simple in my mind. Now, moving over to the Rams, I would say that their offensive line is in the lower part of the league. Uh, you know, it's just the quarterback situation always comes into question. I mean, is Jared Goff going to be Jared Goff? He was a rookie last year. We were a little hard on him, I think. But... If Jared Goff can step up this year, then obviously they're going to be good. I think Todd Gurley will bounce back. Sammy Watkins coming over definitely helps. Uh, Cooper Cup seems to be one of Jared Goff's favorite targets, which is interesting. And then uh, you also you know, you got Robert Woods from Buffalo as well with Sammy Watkins. The question becomes, can their defense hold up? Uh, I mean, not a lot of big names on this defense. Robert Quinn and Ogletree do a good job. Uh, he's just becomes a question of if they can keep the score low enough to where they don't lose on one mistake by Goff or something like that. And the last team in this division that really makes me just sad to watch, and like I said before in an article, this is the kind of game where I notice there's 30 seconds between every NFL play. You know, the 49ers offensive line is bad except for Joe Staley. Their quarterback this year, I mean, just it's just an interesting... I don't know what they're... Are they trying to get the quarterback from USC and lose? Because they're Brian Hoyer, Matt Barkley. I mean, I'm not so sure about what they're trying to build right now. They're bringing Marquise Goodwin and Pierre Garçon. And, you know, it's just... I'm not I'm not so sure what they're trying to, to build this year. I, I honestly just try to get the highest draft pick, I guess. He's got Navarro, ba- uh, Navarro Bowman's back on defense. And that's, that's about it on their defense. I just... It's going to be a rough, rough team to watch. Honestly, this is the worst division in the NFL in my mind, so being at the bottom of it isn't a good sign for the 49ers. But you're All right, that's all the time we have this week. Make sure to check us out at facebook.com slash moosesmulligans and twitter.com slash moosesmulligans. Our official website is alexanderstryzak.wixsite.com slash moosesmulligans. 
Thanks for joining in this week, and until next week, remember, fairways and greens, no mulligans. This is your host, Alex Dreisen, and we'll see you next week.